0: In your Bibles, Revelation chapter number 3. This is the last of the seven churches of Asia, and this is the last of the second section of the book of Revelation. The first two sections of the book of Revelation happened pretty fast. The first section, the things that were, it was a vision of the Lord, or in chapter number one. The things that are are in chapters two and three. It's uh, the lessons of the seven churches and a message and emphasis on things that all of us churches need to be paying attention to and beware of and changing if necessary so we can be more and more like the Lord. And then the things that are to come are going to start happening and. Chapter 4 and verse number 1. And I look forward to preaching to you tonight on the church of the Laodiceans. Uh, The message is titled this, the church of the Laodiceans, thou art lukewarm. Thou art lukewarm. And we should be determined not to be lukewarm. The sad thing about the church of the Laodiceans was that the church of the Laodiceans, they were lukewarm, they were distasteful to God and they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. And this is a message to us that we need to be paying attention and asking the Lord to show us our need for him, our need to get on fire for him, our need to serve him faithfully and to put him first in our lives. Let's talk tonight and I'll preach to you on the church of the Laodiceans, Thou art lukewarm. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 3 beginning verse number 7, I'm sorry, verse number 14, the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The church of the Laodiceans. Now, if we were to attend this church, I think we'd find it somewhat familiar. This was the church of uh, of the Laodiceans. It was the church that looked like the people, smelled like the people, acted like the people. It was the church where the politicians attended. It was the church where the prominent folks were. And there's nothing wrong with having prominent folks and politicians in your church. But the bottom line is, if the church becomes like and part of the world, then it's not really the church anymore. The church of the Laodiceans was a church that had become so much like the world, there was no distinction. And when there's no distinction between the world and the church, the church has lost its relevance and importance in society. I'll tell you, covid brought about the unveiling of churches that really and truly were not a necessary entity. Uh, What was the term that they used for businesses that could be opened? Someone help me. Essential. Yeah, there it is, essential. Uh, There were essential businesses and there were non-essential businesses. And I'm just going to tell you something. There were lots of churches and lots of church leaders who decided that what they did was non essential I'll just tell you something, if the work of the Charlie Baptist Church is non-essential, I'm getting another job. There's places where you can make more money and work less hours, and that would be interesting if the work of the Lord at Joy Baptist Church was non-essential. But I don't want you to know, I still believe that the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world is the most important message that's ever been preached, ever been taught, because it is the one thing that prevents lost and dying people from going to hell. And I believe it. And if that's not essential, you don't understand the gospel the way I'm reading it in the Bible. The church at Laodicea, they've become so much like the world that they've become non-essential. And we don't want to be like that. The Bible says that you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. The Bible makes numerous, uh, in this few verses, numerous references to the fact that they had a big problem and didn't even know it. May the Lord help us to see ourselves in the church of the Laodiceans. Let's consider this number one. Number one, you need to know Your condition. You need to know your spiritual condition. God asks us and requires of us to keep our heart. It's like keeping a garden and we're tending to it. And you need to know your spiritual condition. If you've not checked your spiritual oil lately, you should. There's a verse of Scripture that often comes to my mind. I'm thankful many years ago I memorized, I memorized it. And the Bible says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer daily. To ask the Lord to know our hearts and show us Where we are. We should know our condition. Know your condition is point number one. Let's just pick up here and look at a few things about the church of the Laodiceans. The Bible says in verse number 14 of of Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says, under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write. Now we're just going to park right there for just a minute. The Bible calls And speaks and makes this address under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Now, this is an unusual name. This is the uh, unusual name because the way that God addressed all the other churches that we've talked and preached about is a little bit different. So he says he's addressing the church of the Laodiceans. And you can just see this. You've got a church that's of the Laodiceans. It's made up of. It is of the Laodiceans. But look what the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse number 1. Chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now, it may seem a little bit different. It may seem very similar. But there's quite a remarkable difference between the church of Ephesus and the church of the Laodiceans. Now, if we were going to say that exactly the same, we would have to address the church of Ephesus like this. The church of the Ephesians. You see the difference? Uh, The church of the Ephesians. But the Bible says the church of Ephesus. And there's this idea and mentality that you've got a church that's in Ephesus It's made up of Ephesians, no doubt, but it's a church in Ephesus. It's not a church made up of Ephesus. Does that make sense? The church of Ephesus. We see again in the next of the churches in verse number 8 of chapter 2, under the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, if we were to say it exactly the way we did the Laodiceans, he'd say the church of the Smyrnans. But the Bible says it was the church in Smyrna. Now, there's a difference. There's a marked difference. The Bible says in verse 12, to the angel of the church in Pergamos. I don't know if they would be the Permesians. What would you guess? (laughs) But it says the church in Pergamos. Verse 18, the church in Thyatira. The church, verse number 1 of chapter 3, the church in Sardis. Verse number 7 of chapter 3, the church in Philadelphia. Did you understand it wasn't the church of the Philadelphians? It was the church in Philadelphia. Now, what's so important about that? I think the Bible's making a clear distinction about the church of the Laodiceans. The church of the Laodiceans had become to, come to a place where at first they started as a gospel preaching, Bible-loving, uh, uh, Christ-centered, stand out among, stand out among the, uh, stand out from among the crowd, stand up for the truth. But over time they'd got to the place where they were so much like the world that God from heaven says, I oh, want you to know something. You're the church of the Laodiceans. I want you to understand something, the church. We are a church in this world, but we are not to be a church of this world. We are to function in the community and town of Chilhowee, but we're not to be of the world. We're not to participate in wicked and sinful things. I love my community. I love being part of it, and I want to be thoroughly involved, and I'm eyeball deep. But I cannot become like the world in order to win the world to the same cause that they're in. What do you win them to if you're just like them? God calls his church to come out from among them and be separate. And touch not the unclean thing. That doesn't mean we function on an island. That just means we hold forth the word of God. We preach the gospel. We confront righteously and compassionately sin and wickedness. Live for Jesus. The church of the Laodiceans, the first thing that comes out of God's mouth when he addresses it, he reminds us and reminds the church that you've become of the world. May God help us not to be a worldly church. May the Lord protect us. The church of the Laodiceans. The Bible continues, verse number 14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans Right, These things saith the Amen. I love when the Lord is referred to as the Amen. We talk about the word Amen. We say Amen at the end of our prayers. And we say, we say Amen. And if I were to ask you to give me a, a definition, you'd say, I agree. And you'd be right. I agree. Amen. And another way to say it, if we say, Lord, please help our community today. Amen. And we would say, truth. Truth. The word amen is truth. It's I agree. It's true. It's truth. And I've actually had this little thought today. And some have you ever heard anybody, when you tell them something that, that's right and they're true, they say, true dad. That. <laughs> that's it. That, amen. And the Lord, He calls Himself truth. Amen. He is the truth. Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful. That God is the truth. I preached a message one time from this verse, just this verse. And I preached that God is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And it's true. He's true. He says, I'm Amen. If you want to find out what's right, you go to God. He is the amen. The Bible says, again, in verse 14, uh, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness, the Bible says, what God says and what God witnesses to is faithful and And true, aren't you glad that what God witnesses to is faithful. Here in a minute, the Lord's going to do heart surgery on all of us. And he's working to do heart surgery on the church of the Laodiceans. And when God says, you're the church of the Laodiceans, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You can be sure of something. That is word from a faithful and true witness. What God says is right is right. And what God says is wrong is wrong and we need to know that God is our authority and we need to glory in the fact that God is our it's one of the things that makes a church like ours stand out from the world. We believe God. We believe his word. Why should we? Because he's the amen. He's the truth. Why should we? Because he's the faithful and true witness. The Bible concludes verse 14, the beginning of the creation of God. He's eternal. The Lord Jesus is eternal. He's from the beginning. When's the beginning? We can't even fathom the beginning, but God is eternal, and we praise him for that. We need to understand and know our condition. We know that God is there. We know that we shouldn't be uh, of the world. The Bible says in verse 15, Jesus speaking here and teaching us, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou art cold or hot. Now, when we talk about this, we're talking about a spiritual condition. The context makes it plain that there's a spiritual condition that is concerning. He's not saying that your body temperature is cold, uh, and we need to get it up. He's not saying your body temperature is too hot, and we need to get it down. He's not looking for that. He's looking for a spiritual temperature. How I many of you could say that you can identify in your own heart and life a spiritual temperature? There's sometimes when your heart's cold as ice. There's other times when your heart's warm and hot and, and full of fire for the glory of God. There's other times that you don't even know if you've got a heart at all. <laughs> now, the Bible says, and I think it's quite fascinating, He says of the church of the Laodiceans, He says, You're not hot and you're not cold. He says in verse number 15, I would thou wert cold or hot. Now, this kind of is a question that I have. The Bible says, I would, I would desire, I, I want, I would rather. Now, this is kind of fascinating. So he says, Laodicea, you guys are neither hot nor cold. In a minute, he's going to say, you're lukewarm. He says, I would, I would rather, I would prefer, I would that thou wert either cold or hot. Now, it makes sense to me that God would say, I would that you're hot. But did you see what God says? He said, I would prefer that you either hot, Or you're cold. And does that say what it says, preacher? Does it say that God would prefer that my heart was cold? Yeah, it does. How are you going to deal with that? Glad it's you and not me. No, the truth is, God would prefer that we were hot or cold. Let me tell you something. When you're hot, you know it. When you're cold... You know, I first, when I studied this, I thought this was the temperature of the people that sit in the pews of Chihuahua Baptist Church because no one's ever just right. There's a bunch of people that's cold. There's a bunch of people that's hot. There's nobody in the middle. It's got to be a representation of our... I'm just kidding. I'll tell you what I did when I... And I stole this from another preacher. When I was just starting to pastor at Bowling Springs, I was 27 years old and uh, wet behind the ears, as they would say. And... uh, and I started getting just ribbed and given a hard time. There was a group of people, I'm freezing to death, a group of people I'm burning alive, and you're trying your best to satisfy. "Ah!" And somebody gave me an idea. And uh, I'd been get, I, mean, I got to where I was dreading going to church because people were fussing on me about this and that and everything. But, but it was all about the temperature in the church. And so I came up with something somebody gave me. I said, "Folks, I want you to know something. I'm doing my dead level best to get the temperature adjusted in this auditorium. I said, if you're hot, would you raise your hand? And there was people scattered all over the auditorium. They were hot. And they raised their hand. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get this worked out. I said, if you're cold, would you raise your hand? There's people scattered all over the auditorium raised their hand. They were cold. I said, here's what we're going to do. I got this figured out. Y'all switch places. (laughs) And... uh, Most people caught the message and remembered that for about one service. And uh, we've been bad on it ever since. But uh, (laughs) all jokes aside, why would God want you hot or cold but not lukewarm, I'll tell you. Because when you are lukewarm, room temperature, you're comfortable. And you know, you don't know that you have a deep need. God says, I'd rather that you were hot or cold. How in the world could God say, I want you to be spiritually cold? Because if you get spiritually cold as a child of God, you will not be comfortable. The shivering will cause you to yearn, to be warmed up in the likeness and in the presence of God. And may God help us not to be lukewarm. Why in the world? What's lukewarm? Let me explain to you lukewarm. You know what lukewarm is? If you have a cup of coffee and i love hot coffee and this is not a great illustration because i don't mind lukewarm coffee and i don't mind cold coffee i like coffee but the truth is the best coffee is the hot coffee to me when my coffee cup sits out for a little while what happens it's not long that my coffee becomes the same temperature as its surroundings and the message to the church of the Laodiceans was you've become of the Laodiceans. You've become not cold, not hot. You've become like everything around you. And as a lukewarm church, you're in a position where you're not motivated to be more like me, to be in my presence, to see my work. You're not motivated as cold to grow and warm up. You're not encouraged as hot as as somebody that wants to move forward for the glory of God. He says, look, Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. You need to know your condition. The Bible says in verse number 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. How many of you ever got a mouthful of something that didn't taste the way you expected it to Titus this past week got a drink of a can of soda and he turned it up to get a big drink. He poured a bee in his mouth. You know what he did? He spewed it out of his mouth quickly. <laughs> the Bible says that God's not willing to power, not willing to accept lukewarmness. Look, do you want your life to be pleasing to the Lord? I do. He does not welcome. He does not accept lukewarmness. God wants us to be hot for Him. Spiritually hot. And you need to know your condition. Where are you? And let me just tell you something. It's better to say, I'm cold as ice. My heart is cold as ice because you should not, as a child of God, be okay with staying there. That is to say, eh, I'm okay. Eh. Let me ask you this question. Do you know the condition of your spirit right now? Is it cold? Is it hot? What is it? Is it, eh, it's okay. You know what's sad? What's sad? I'm afraid when we talk to most Christian people on a daily basis, the normal response would be, Eh, it's okay. Let me tell you something. That, my friend, is lukewarm. You know the condition of your heart. Look what the Bible says in verse number 17. In verse number 17, he says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched. Now, he says, look, you don't know... That you're cold, you're lukewarm, you're comfortable, you don't know that you're cold. He says, as a matter of fact, you've come to a place in your spiritual life, in your Christianity, as a church, you've come to a place where because you, you look around and think, look, I'm rich. Let me just tell you something. You may say, if I ask you, are you rich, I don't think anybody would say, yes, I'm rich. But the bottom line is, if you've had the ability to provide for yourself three meals today, And you'll be able to go and sleep somewhere that's warm tonight. You're rich. By the world's standards, you're rich. And let me tell you something, we get really comfortable. And some folks say, you know, look, I've got everything I need. I've got food, clothing, shelter, a little bit of health. Just because you have everything you need As far as the world is going, doesn't mean that you're rich towards God. What is the condition of your heart? If you've got comfortable, he says, Look, you think I'm rich, so I'm good. And you say, I'm increased in good with goods. I've got, not only do I have what I need, but I've got more than I need. You say, I'm good. This is great. I have need of nothing. And the Lord says this. He says, and knowest you don't know, you know not that thou art wretched. You know not that thou art wretched. Now, here's something that's really sad about that phrase. You know what was going on in the church at Laodicea? They'd become just like the world. Things were going their way. They, they really weren't having uh, a lot of opposition because, I mean, they were just like the world. They weren't uncomfortable because they were lukewarm, room temperature. That they, they weren't uh, aware that they had spiritual need because they just kind of, look, I've got... What I need, I'm rich, I'm increased in goods, you know. And God says, look, you don't, you've got so accustomed to making the world standard your standard that you're wretched and don't even know. You know what the word wretched means? Enduring toils and troubles. He said, you are wretched. You are dealing and going through and having a horrible time in your life, and you don't even know that it's a horrible time because you're deceived by the world. How many of you as Christian people watch folks struggle outside of you and they're trying to get this and trying to do that and trying to satisfy their earthly and their their fleshly longings? And you think, I don't know how they're living. It's awful. Can you imagine the toil and strife, the wretchedness of that situation? And they don't even know it. Uh, This is just how life is. Let me tell you something. If you've made the world your goal, you are wretched you're toiling and you're striving and you're suffering in a way that you don't need to. If you would let God warm your spiritual heart and give you the grace and the peace that you need. You see, you need to know your condition. He says you're wretched. You're enduring toils and troubles and don't even know that, it's, it's, that it doesn't have to be that bad. I'm thankful for all the trouble that God has saved me from because years ago I put my heart and life in, in, light and, in God's control. I'm thankful for that. And I'm sad about the many times that I've chosen the flesh and the world and the devil and the wretchedness that it's brought. Look, choose the Lord. He says, folks, you don't know that you're wretched. You know that if you would say yes to God and know the flesh, if you'd repent of that sin, and you'd turn to the Lord, you don't know what kind of peace that God has for you. When you say yes to the Lord, you're going to find out that his grace is sufficient, his mercy is never failing, his peace is real and true. Does that mean you're not going to have hard times? Oh no, it gets hard, but God's grace gets sweeter and sweeter, and He's faithful. You didn't know your condition. He says you don't even know that you're wretched. He doesn't know that you're miserable. <laughs> he doesn't know that you don't know that you're poor, blind, naked. He says you've got a terrible spiritual condition. You don't even know about it. Folks, you need to know your condition. Where are you? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you eh? Let me tell you something. We should yearn in our souls to be on fire for God, for his glory. Know your condition. Where are you? Number two. Once we know our condition, we need to, number two, we need to buy the right medicine. We need to buy the right medicine. Uh, I like certain self help things that i, I do some I, you know I like new year's resolutions don't tell anybody, but I like new year's resolutions. I like to see things change and improve and i i have been uh suckered in a few times to uh, a vitamin or suckered into this or that and and I like those type of things and i'll just tell you if I got a problem, I want to buy the right medicine. Some folks have the idea that when they're miserable and they realize that they're they're cold hearted or whatever, they need to Buy something. They need to get so They need to doctor themselves. Let me tell you something. What can I have that will help me get right with God? We need to buy the right medicine. The Bible says in verse 18, you'll understand in a moment why I call it like that. The Bible says in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Now, the Lord says, when you begin to realize that you're just eh, lukewarm, when you begin to realize that you need to have a heart change, you need to turn to the Lord, he says, you need to, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What's that mean? He says, I want to counsel you to purchase, to invest in the things that matter, the things that are right, the things that are good. I encourage you to buy of me things of eternal value. Let me remind you of a couple of things that are of eternal value. People are of eternal value. You need to be investing in the lives of people. If you're a father, you need to be investing in the lives of your children. If you're a mother, you need to invest in the lives of your children. If you're a husband, you need to invest in the life of your wife. A wife the same. You understand what I mean? You need to buy gold. How can I buy gold that's tried to the fire? You need to buy time in God's word. You need to buy time in prayer. You need to emphasize it. you need to purchase with your effort things that matter to God. I always spend time buying this toy and that toy and I like toys as much as anybody. The bottom line is we need to buy up gold that's tried. It's not buy up gold because it's increasing in value like the hard metal, but we're going to buy things that have eternal value, that are rich and right and pure, holy. He says, buy gold. Let's try it. We need to buy. We need to invest in our spirit. We need to invest in our relationship to the Lord. We need to invest. And look, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. You come out on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. It's not easy to get here on Wednesday night. It's not easy to get here for me on Wednesday night and this is my job. And making church a priority, making it a priority to bring your kids to church. God bless you. You're buying gold that's tried. Keep it up. Buy gold that's tried. The Bible says in verse 18 in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Not rich worldly, but rich towards God. The richest person is the person that's rich towards God. And look what it says next. And buy of me white raiment. When you see white raiment, it's always a picture of holiness and righteousness. And God says, you need to buy right, buy of me righteous. And that doesn't mean you can purchase your righteousness. But it just means that you need to be investing in righteousness. Let me tell you something. It's always right to do right. It's always wrong to do wrong. And God's people need to say no, no, no to sin. And it breaks my heart because the devil is deceiving God's people. And God's people are welcoming sin. You need to ask the Lord to convict you fresh and anew of any sin that's in your life. That verse I quoted to you a little while ago from Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And when we acknowledge and God shows us our sin, we need to be willing to get rid of it. He says, buy of me white raiment, holiness, righteousness. Holiness is right and good in the eyes of God. Buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Oh, may the Lord help us to say no to sin and purchase, buy the right medicine, gold, white raiment. The Bible says, concluding here in verse 18, And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. I think the byproduct of purchasing eternal things and and investing in eternal things and the byproduct of righteousness is the ability to have eyes that can see clearly. How many of you ever remember a season in your life where you were just blinded by your own sin? How many of you remember a season in your life where you were blinded by your own sin? Me too. You see, when we begin to invest in things that are eternal... When we begin to emphasize righteousness and saying no to sin, the byproduct is we're going to be putting on our eyes, eye salve so we can see and see clearly, see, the way, see things the way God wants us to see them. And he's saying, church of the sins, you're lukewarm. You're cold. you're lukewarm, you're cold, you're lukewarm, you don't even know it. He says you need to buy the right medicine so that you can see exactly how you are. Buy the right medicine. And finally, number three, Open the door. Open the door. If we find that we're cold, lukewarm, we need to know our condition, buy the right medicine. Number three, open the door. Look at the Bible, says, verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now listen, I hope that the Holy Spirit of God in your Christian life as a result of this message, has convicted you of your sin. I hope that you've let the Holy Spirit search your heart and try you. I hope that the Lord has shown you some wicked way. And you need to be reminded of something. If you have guilt in your heart right now because of some sinful action, behavior, pattern in your life, I want to remind you of something, that God, because He loves you, Rebukes you and chastens you. You need to remember that God takes you to the woodshed because he's your loving father. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And so this is what the Bible says next. Be zealous therefore and repent. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to have an urgency, a zeal you know what zealous is? Zealous is when, I mean, nothing else matters but what I'm zealous about. We need to get that place where nothing else matters other than my relationship with Jesus Christ and a zealous spirit. We need to be zealous to repent. If the Lord's shown you something, then I want you to know something. There's nothing more important than getting that right with God. There's nothing more important and repenting, changing your behavior, being different, trusting in the Lord, turning to Him, and you need to get zealous about it. You need to get to the place where you're scared to death that if you don't do something about it, God's not going to use your life. Zealous to repent. You know the church ladies; they may have heard a, pre- a message every now and then, and like, mm, that's good. Feel a little guilty, but get distracted by the things of the world before they left the church service. They just kept on doing what they have been doing. Zealous to repent. I pray the Lord will strike a fire in your soul and make you yearn to be right with Him. You need to quit lying, cheating, stealing. You need to give up that bitterness and anger. You need to forgive. And whatever in the world it is, God smote your heart about. You need to be zealous to repent. Open the door. I'll show you why I say open the door in this next verse. The Bible says in verse number 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I love this verse. What's the Lord doing? Let me tell you something. If the Lord is saying, hey, wake up. Stop sinning. Invest in eternity. Get some white raiment. You're lukewarm. If God's saying that, he loves you. And remind you, I want you to be reminded, and God's word reminds you, He says, Hey, look, God is standing at the door going, I'm here, I want to help you. I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice. Do you hear the Lord tonight? You need to say, I'm sorry for that. Do you hear the Lord saying, you need to stop doing that? Do you hear the Lord saying, your heart has moved away from me? Do you hear the Lord saying, you are cold? He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, what do I have to do? I say, Lord, here I am. Do we have to know our plan for how we're going to make everything right? No. All i got to do is open the door. Here I am. I'm a hell-deserving, dirty, rotten sinner. The Bible says, if any man hear my voice, I will come into him and will sup with him. I love this. He's going to come to you and sup with him. With, he, with you. The only other places in the Bible that the word sup is used is in conjunction with the Lord's Supper in the upper room. In the first book of 1 Corinthians, when they talk about the Lord supping with his disciples, that fellowship and close communion where he says, I will sup with you. I with you, you with me. Do you know what God wants? He wants close communion. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. He wants to protect you. He wants to use you eternally. He says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in to you. I'll sup with you and you with me. Verse 21, to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. He says, I'm going to bless you. You'll trust in me. I'll bless you. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Some people have a hard time with that word overcometh. Let me tell you something, that doesn't have anything to do with how good you are. It has everything to do with you just opening the door. We overcome because he overcame. I'm going to overcome sin because he overcame sin with his blood. The Bible says, verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. The church at Laodicea, they were lukewarm. They had blended in to their surroundings. Do the people you work with know you're a Christian? If they don't, shame on you. The people you go to school with, they know you're a Christian. You've blended in. Does your family know that your heart's God's? Or are you lukewarm? God says, I don't like lukewarm. I don't accept lukewarm. You need to yearn in your heart to be on fire for the Lord, for His glory. Buy the right mass and open the door. I, I, really, it boils down to are you willing to change the course of your life in order to know and do the will of God? We're awful proud, aren't we? We're awful proud. The church of the Laodiceans, they had to get the place, and God called on them. To zealously repent of their sin, vast in eternity, so that they wouldn't be lukewarm or cold any longer. My Lord, help us.